For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Jeff. I'm glad to hear that. Certainly, I hope, Jake, you are doing well today too. I am, for sure. All right, fantastic. Well, I hope our listeners are doing well again today, too. Here we are together again on the radio, gentlemen. It is almost middle May. I can taste summer. What do you think? Man, I am so ready. You know, I've often told people on here, I love it when it's 95 on the <laughs> golf course, walking in the beating down sun. Yeah. It's hot out there lately, yeah. too. There's really, I think, almost no bad time in this part of the country. So glad to be here with the fine people in the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri. Well, a lot to talk about on today's show, gentlemen. And uh, first and foremost, of course, this R word just will not go away. There is more talk of a recession this week. What do you think? Are we closer to recession? Is it a maybe or is it a definite maybe this time? I think it's a, <laughs> a definite maybe. Now, you know that's that's an oxymoron, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, but I think it's a definite maybe. You're right that we're going to have one. In fact, if I were to predict, I would say that we're definitely going to have one. We need to have one to kind of re set the whole system here. So we have to slow things down, give the supply chain a chance to catch up. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that, that you know need to happen that we'd like to think would happen. I was watching uh, a couple of days ago on TV on Squawk Box on CNBC. Right. Not that this is a commercial for them, but I was watching out there and there was a gentleman that has started a new fund. And one of the things that has really put pressure on oil companies and things uh, is, of course, this ESG, uh, which basically is, you know, everybody wants to be environmentally sound and all those sorts of things. I don't have a problem with that, except when we go ahead and we just break it completely off and we cause more problems by trying to do that than it prevents, you know. Right. So the long and the short of it is this guy has started a fund that basically is going to try to attract people that uh, want to invest in less ESG. And I think that it will gain a lot of traction. Yeah, he's going to have so much money coming into that fund. He's not going to know what to do. I mean, that is but one of the problems here. You mentioned supply line shortages, Randy and Jake. And, you know, again, in the supermarket, very frustrated. This is the United States of America. And in my history, I cannot remember a time when I have seen shelves so empty. I was in the market looking for something the other day, and it was just a bunch of empty shelves. And I'm like, what is this, Russia anymore? I mean, what is the source? I mean, this supply line shortage continues to plague us. Gasoline prices up 40 and 50 percent. What is causing all of this for the time being? So a lot of it, like you said, is supply line shortages, uh, depending on where we get different types of produce and things like that from, uh, depending on what you're talking about at the grocery store. But uh, it's also partially due to weather patterns and things like that. You know, California is going through a, a major, major drought. In fact, if you, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the, the above the Hoover Dam. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, there's, you know, it's the water level is, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of feet lower than it's supposed to 
to be. And, you know, that's compounding the problem that we already have, given that all these different countries now are starting to nationalize and, and or cancel exports so that they can keep their own stuff. You know, it's it's definitely deglobalization. You hear that kind of as a buzzword on the news. But I mean, that's exactly what's happening. Everybody's like, hey, we're going to look out for number one. You know, Trump was just ahead of his time looking right. out for America. <laughs> right. There you go. Well, you talked about Hoover Dam and I was seeing an article about Lake Mead. And it's interesting. I mean, the water levels and historic lows there right now. And it's 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 kind of interesting. I won't say it's funny, but they're finding bodies now as yeah. the as the level goes down. And it is amazing. I mean, these are bodies from the 70s and 80s. I mean, it goes back to right. the Vegas. They find Mo- Hoffa? No, they haven't found yeah. Hoffa yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think it they might did, be. They did find a guy in a barrel, though. I wonder they, if that was murder. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, death by natural causes, a gunshot wound in a barrel in the bottom of Lake Mead. But, I mean, it's just very, very interesting as to what's going on there. You talked about supply line shortages. And, you know, I'm finding that at least my fruit and produce, I can get that. But it's other things, Randy and Jake. It's things like one week, it'll be things like, you know, paper towels. The, the, the thing was completely empty of paper towels. The next week, you know, you can't find any cleaning products. And the week after that, the bottled water section is completely empty. So I'm thinking just what is going on here? What is causing all this stuff? It seems to be random, but maybe there is a sort of rhyme or reason to this. So that's logistics problems right there. That's... That's trucking, some rail problems, and shipping container problems, you know, where they simply don't have enough people to drive the trucks and unload the barges and all that kind of thing. And so that's why it's a little bit random what it's out at a given moment, because it just depends on what was on the most recent barge that they unloaded and the most recent truck that got driven across the United States to your local grocery store. Yeah, I heard this morning that there is a baby formula shortage, Mm -hmm. and Mm. the FDA has gotten involved trying to rent remedy that and make sure there's supply for new babies. Well, we certainly know that there is, uh, as you said, the possibility of a recession. Now we certainly think that it's a probability. For those folks who don't know, how do we actually define a recession versus what we have right now and what we're going to have in a month or so? So technically a recession by definition is two negative quarters in a row of GDP, meaning our total domestic output here goes down no matter how much, you know, whether it's 0.1% or 10% for two straight quarters. That's how it's defined. But usually when people think about recession, they're they're also thinking about the jobs market. So when we have negative GDP, if, if production is going down, how do companies start to deal with those costs? They do it by laying off workers and things like that because they don't have as much business as they would have had otherwise. So usually when we think of recession, it's related to, you know, unemployment and things like that. That's what a lot of people think of. So to be clear, you know, the question uh, at the top of the hour here was, will we enter a recession? A lot of really smart people, and I would agree with this statement, say that we're going to have to cause a recession to fix this problem. The, The problem that we have, right, we have twice as many vacancies as we do people that are unemployed, right? So we have so many jobs available, nobody willing to work them. So wages are going up at an unsustainable pace, just people just trying to get workers. But then you also have a dynamic where, like actually here at Floyd Financial Group, we could use probably another one or two bodies to work here, but we've just simply stopped looking mm-hmm. because the people who are looking, quote unquote, looking for work are very unreasonable and we're just going to wait for a better time to do it. We'll pick up the slack in the meantime. But I think there's a lot of businesses that have just stopped looking for people because they know that there's really not anybody out there looking that's serious. 
Yeah, and as you mentioned, I still see want ads in lots of stores and places that I go. But at the same time, article uh, just a couple of days ago, and the headline is a wave of layoffs is sweeping the U.S. Here are some firms that have announced cuts so far from Peloton to Wells Fargo. So it seems to be a little bit of each. Well, Peloton certainly has its own fair share of, uh, of issues. You know, they hit single digits on their stock price for the first time last week. They were down like 94% or so from the high last year. So there are companies like that, and and this is really starting to become a concern. Some of the the more speculative type companies, they may not survive this, Jeff. Not because their business practice is not sound, but because they simply need capital and they're going to be unable to get it. So because their stock price is down 94%, they can't issue more stock in order to float the company. And bank support and loans and things like that are drying up because of interest rates. So you're really going to have a situation where you're going to have several, you know, relatively viable companies that are really going to go out of business. And they may be some names that may shock you, you know, over the next year, you might be like, whoa, so-and-so is going out of business, you know, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are some of these companies that are going to struggle to survive without some kind of intervention. Well, regardless of what people think too, Jeff, I will say this. And there's a lot of people say, well, I don't know if they have to or not. Companies do eventually have to make this thing called P-R-O-F-I-T, yeah. profit. Right, right. It's, it's like on like on Shark Tank, if you ever watch that show, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. How do I make money? That's what he always says. <laughs> How do I make money? And, yeah. and so for the last 18 months, you didn't have to make any money. Nobody yeah. cared. You know, But all of a sudden now it's like, whoa, hold on. These businesses aren't ever going to make any money. Uh-huh. We better uh, pull back the reins. We're talking with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group about recession here. Gentlemen, how will this recession affect those people who are, let's say, five years away from retirement versus those people who have just retired or have been in retirement for a year or two? Well, Jeff, for those people that are five years and out from retirement, meaning five years and longer, this could, and actually right at five years, this could be almost perfect timing because then the other side of this is going to be a roaring good market and a good time and people are going to make lots of money. Now, I know as I say that, people are saying, well, he's lost his mind. (laughs) He's definitely on drugs, right? (laughs) Or something like that. But it's true on the other side of this, and we've seen this over and over and over. We have to have these resets, and then we'll go again. And people say, well, how do you know you know, that markets are going to grow back? The capital markets will always be needed as long as there's any need to do business. And business does what? It supports the things that we want in life. You know, whether that be driving our car, replacing the tires on our car, feeding our face, whatever it is, business will get done. And capital markets are how new businesses come to market and get funded so that they can grow and make our lives better. So we know that the capital markets are going to survive this. Now, for those people, like I said, that are five years and out, probably perfect timing. For those where it's a little closer and for those that are retiring today, if we have a good solid plan, we'll still get through this and we will be able to recover and do fine on the other side of this. But the big thing is, and the the key is, people have to have a plan. And then once you develop your plan, don't let the winds of change here completely derail those plans. Let's look at them again. Let's revisit what we've done. And we need to realize that we need to stick to our guns here. Now, you know, there may be some situations where some people will need to tighten their belt just a little bit, maybe live a little closer to the vest here for the next 12 or 18 months. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of this is going to be like, I'll just tell you, a rip-roaring good time and people are going to make lots of money. Yeah, we've been through recessions before. I think people tend to forget that, that we've had recessions. I mean, with COVID, we had a recession. We've had many recessions in our life. Time, and uh, I uh, certainly have faith that we will get through this one too. 
We're listening to Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group right here in Springfield, Missouri. I think the takeaway from the conversation is that if you have a good, solid plan, you can weather almost any financial storm. So to get your complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial plan with Randy and Jake, yep, it's not going to cost you one thin dime. All you've got to do is call this number 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, or better yet, if you want, you can go to the website floydfinancialgroup.com, check out the firm there. You could also request your complimentary sit down with Randy and Jake there and find out, you know, just where you are in terms of retirement, where you are with your plan is your plan solidly rooted to withstand any financial storm? We'll find out by sitting down and getting your complimentary plan with Randy and Jake. Go to floydfinancialgroup.com and request yours. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Glad to have you along with us here on this fine Saturday morning. We're going to take a quick break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll talk about the Federal Reserve, inflation, and more when Show Me the Money continues right here in 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heapin' helpin' of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm Jake Floyd along with Randy Floyd here. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the Fed and inflation as we have been for the last several weeks. <laughs> but they, the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, last week we had quite a few extra developments, some of the things the Fed took off the table and put on the table and the market's trying to digest all that. And again, last week was was a little a little bit of a bloody week, but the market's just kind of struggling for direction right now. Yeah, and uh, first and foremost, the Fed raised the interest rates again by what, around a half percent, something like that? Yeah, 50 basis points, half a percent. Um, I think really the the reading between the lines is the part that matters right now. So the, the 50 basis points was kind of a foregone conclusion, but he did hint that, that he would not do 75 at the next meeting. So, you know, 75 100s of 1%, which the market really took initially really well. And then the next day, the market tanked back down and you know, the implications of all this, I think a lot of people are watching this going, you know, well, what does all this mean? Right. And so the way the Fed sets interest rate policy is either expansive, neutral, or restrictive. Okay. And so for the last almost decade or so, policy has been very expansive. So they've had interest rates near or at zero most of that time, and they were printing money, which is another way for them to expand. The reason why the market's having a hard time right now is because we're entering restrictive policy, where he needs to slow down the economy to put inflation in check. And so restriction of policy is where we raise interest rates and pay back the balance sheet back down from all this money that we printed. So we're, we're destroying money where we were creating money before. And so the market, the neutral rate is kind of what's in in the big question mark right now. So neutral meaning it's neither expansive nor restrictive, meaning it's not helping the economy and it's not hurting the economy. What is that rate? And, And nobody knows, including the Fed. The Fed basically said last week, we don't know what this is. We don't know what this rate is. And and some have speculated it's 2%. Some have speculated it's closer to 5 with inflation where it is now. So we've had several rate hikes this year so far. Are, are we expecting more towards the end of the year? We definitely have, I would say, minimum of three more, pretty much under any circumstance. And the market is pricing in quite a few more than that already. 
but I would say that even if the market were to continue just to keep tanking, I think they have to raise at least two or three more times just to get back to that, again, that neutral level where, where we're not trying to be restrictive or expansive. And I think that to some extent, the market is going to have to be liquidated in order to fix some of these problems. You know, think of it like you're in your garage and you're changing your oil and you, and you kind of messed up and the oil's all over the floor. What do you need to do? You need to have something to blot up all that oil. So think of the oil like it's um, like it's money, yeah. it's liquidity. And so the Fed has to blot up and, and kind of dab up and clean up all this liquidity. And the way to do that is to bring the housing market back under control, bring the stock market back under control. And that is not going to be a painless process. No. Not at all. You mentioned bringing the housing market back under control, and I'm really shocked. I mean, you know, looking around at homes and things, uh, you know, how much more mortgage payment is today versus what it was about six months ago. And if uh, interest rates continue to be rising as we expect that they will be, that is really going to put the brakes in the housing market, don't you think? It definitely is. And anybody out there looking for a house right now, I would say, make sure on your loan, you're paying attention to the difference between APR, annual percentage rate, right. and APY, which is your annual percentage yield rate. So there's a major disconnect there where the, the talking heads are talking on TV are talking about that the average 30-year rate is 5.6 or something like that. Right. But that's APR, meaning that's the actual interest rate you're paying. Any extra fees and things that they have put on there, including paying points for those that are a little more astute, go into APY, but not APR. So you might have a rate of 4.6%, but you might actually be paying 6% in APY. So just make sure that whenever you're setting up these loans, you, you get full disclosure on all the fees you're paying and all the points that you're paying to get your rate lowered because they're, they're really playing some games right now. Interesting. So the housing market, certainly if you're looking to buy something or maybe refinance, if you haven't done it, I mean, I guess there's no time like the present, but I think maybe that ship has sailed a little bit for you. We're talking with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group, and we're talking about the Federal Reserve and inflation. Gentlemen, what does all of this mean for the average investor at this point? You know, I've saved my entire life. I'm getting ready to retire right now. I think I've got my plan set, but it isn't in stone. I mean, should I be rushing back in and going, hey, wait a minute, guys, let's revise that plan? Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of folks out there, Jeff, that during the pandemic and during when we were locked down and then that period after that where money was flowing and easy, there were growth stocks that made all kinds of money and people were feeling really pretty good about their portfolio and they just felt like, wow, this is uh, this is pretty easy to invest and we're making all kinds of money. And since that time, they've seen those uh, tech stocks and those heavy growth stocks that needed lots of capital. They've seen the air come out of those to the tune of 20, 30, 40, 50, some even 70% down. We're like Peloton, 94%. Right. So we're seeing that all of a sudden people are going, wow, this is pretty ugly. We don't understand this. And so here's what I would say, you know, is if you're not really confident about where you're going and what your portfolio is going to look like looking forward, and you don't really have the answers nor the time nor the inclination to really go out and do that, by all means, you know, give us a call. Let's sit down. Let's talk about why things are the way they are and what direction things are probably headed for the short term to kind of give you a little comfort and then long term to give you a whole lot more comfort. And also, you know, there may be some it may be time to 
for some people to buy into certain things. There also may be a time here where, you know, I had a lot of people right now coming to me with lots of cash and lots of money that they'd like to invest. And basically, we're parking some of that money and quite a lot in cash right now saying, let's not uh, throw good money after bad <laughs> until we see right. a little cleanup in this area. And I'm not saying that if you have money invested, you need to jerk it all out of there. I'm saying what we need to do is look at your situation, evaluate it, look at your retirement date, when you think that's going to be. If you're already retired, let's go out there and look at your portfolio. There's some things and some major cleanup that needs to be done in bonds. There's some major cleanup that needs to be done in these target dated funds that are inside all these 401ks because not only are you losing on the bond side that used to insulate you from loss, you're now compounding the problem with bond losses because rates are going up, not to mention the fact that the market's down nearly 15% year to date. So there's some work that needs to be done in looking at your portfolio and looking at it with a critical eye and somebody that really understands how money may flow in the future. And Randy and Jake, in your experience, and I know that Floyd Financial Group has been around for quite some time, you've retired people in all sorts of financial weather. For those people who are stressing out about all of this situation and, you know, they're thinking, well, boy, I wanted to retire next year. Now I'm going to have to work another five years or so. Is it possible that those people can stay on track? I mean, can they really retire or maybe is retirement just going to look a lot different to them? Well, there's no blanket statement that I can say because everybody's situation is obviously very different, Jeff. But I will say this. Over the last 20 years, we've helped lots and lots and lots of people retire, and we've never had to unretire anyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, we can make it through all types of financial weather and it's always going to be that way. I mean, there's people that study all this stuff, you know, for a living and they don't they don't really make investment decisions. They just crunch numbers and right. and spit out data that we can use to help make uh, you know wise decisions looking forward. And then there are times like, you know, here we're really dealing with some times that are completely crazy. We also have had over the pandemic and the advent of all of these uh, the betterments and the Robin Hoods and all that. We have a whole lot of new people to investing. And so here we are, we had all this techie stuff while people are sitting at home and they're going, wow, this looks pretty easy. I'm just going to go invest some money here. And they said, wow, that went up 20% in three months. I'm going to invest some more over there. And really what they learned was they learned the surface of investing. And that is, hey, sometimes stocks go up. And they hadn't learned yet that, hey, sometimes stocks go down. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of education that still needs to occur in the marketplace because we have a ton of new investors out there. And it's also creating more turbulence than and different turbulence than we've ever seen in the market before. And I think on the on the back of that, too, I would say that we really haven't seen the deleveraging event yet. So let me explain what that means. So retail investors, as well as hedge funds, can use leverage inside of a stock portfolio. So what that means is they can own more than 100% of what's in their portfolio. So if they have $100,000, they might have $150,000 worth of stock. And so when things start to get really ugly here, um, you're going to see all these guys. Guess what happens whenever they they don't have enough money to uh, fund these trades that they're making, right? So if you have $150,000 worth of stock and stocks start going down, 
at some point, whoever you borrowed that money from wants their money back, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they say, hey, that's called a margin call. You might have heard that term before. Oh, yeah. And so when they when these guys start getting margin called, especially these hedge funds, where we saw one of these actually last year get liquidated, it has massive repercussions. Some of these hedge funds have 20, 30, 40 billion dollars under management. And so when one of those has to get liquidated because they took too much risk, it can bring the whole market down with it. And I think that certain hedge funds as well as just retail investors can do this too. The Robinhooders are pretty notorious for, uh, Robinhood is a, is a trading platform on your phone, right. um, are pretty notorious for having a lot of leverage in their accounts. And so I think that to Randy's point about Betterment and some of the robo-advisors and that kind of thing, you know, it's real easy when the market's going up, you know, but then when they open up their account and they're down 25, 30% because they're leveraged and the market's down 10, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of faith lost in those types of platforms, I think. We're talking with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. And again, the purpose of these conversations every Saturday morning is to educate you on what's going on in the market and what is going on in, in the economy, but most of all, how it affects your investments. And to answer the question, can I retire or if I'm retired, can I stay retired? And I think really the takeaway from all these conversations, gentlemen, is that you must have a plan a plan that can weather all financial storms. So, as we've said every week to our loyal listeners and for our new listeners, in case you don't know it, you can get a complimentary financial plan with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. A chance to sit down and talk with Randy and Jake about your particular situation. Sort of kick the tires there at Floyd Financial Group and see if it's a good fit for you. Again, it's not going to cost you anything at all to get this complimentary plan. Call 417-889-7233 for your retirement Roadmap, a complimentary plan, 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's also a great place to sort of look around at the firm, take a look at the company and see what they're all about. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday morning with us. We certainly appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about, drumroll please, net unrealized <laughs> appreciation. All right. Well, there's a new topic for us here in this radio program. We've talked about a lot of things in the show here, but as you said, this is one thing that we haven't covered yet. So I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bit in the dark here. I think I know what this is, but let's go ahead and give a definitive definition of net unrealized appreciation, Randy. So let me tell you, first of all, Jeff, if this is the first time you've ever heard this term it sometimes it's used uh, the abbreviation or the acronym is nua okay uh, so net unrealized appreciation is something that most people have never heard of so don't don't feel bad and all those that are listening don't feel bad because again most people have no idea what this is about and in fact, if you were to ask any number of tax people what it is, because it's not dealt with that much, they would go, uh, I'll have to read up on that. Let me consult my book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So here's what it amounts to, Jeff. You know, as we work and we fund money into a 401k, and just for grins here, let's say that we're funding money into our 401k and the big company we work for is Megabucks, Inc., 
Mm-hmm. And so Megabucks Inc., we buy stock in our 401k. This is not to be confused with your employee stock ownership program, which is something where sometimes you have stock options right. or you're able to buy stock in the company outside your 401k and they give you discounts, right? Not to be confused with that. This is money that actually goes inside your 401k plan and it's of the company that you work for. So let's say you work for the Megabucks Inc. company for 40 years. You amass 20,000 shares of this stock and it's worth a couple of million dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, it's in your 401k, you decide to retire. So you roll your money out of your 401k, you're going to put it into an IRA and you're going to start to take income. So normally, if I roll that couple of million dollars over into my traditional IRA and I start to take money out of there, I'm going to be taxed as ordinary income, meaning whatever the tax bracket says, based on all my combined income, I pay regular taxes on that. NUA, net unrealized appreciation, allows you to do that and receive that money taxed as a capital gain Mm -hmm. rather than ordinary income tax. So the difference is if I make $500,000 in income on the regular up and down the line tax bracket, I'm going to be in the 37% tax bracket, you know, for those people that live here in Missouri. So that means we're going to be paying, you know, somewhere around 42%. Mm -hmm. By the time we add the state in, if you live in the wonderful state of Texas or Florida where you don't pay state tax, you know, you're going to be down at the 37% bracket. Well, the max bracket that you're going to pay uh, at that $500,000 number, and you could spread it out over a couple of different payments, but the max tax bracket you're going to pay there is 20% for capital gains, and then you're going to pay 6% to the state of Missouri, which is 26 And yeah, you'll have the 3% uh, wonderful Obama investment tax mm-hmm. uh, that you'll have to put on top of that, puts you at 29 though, versus 42 which is a considerable difference in what your tax burden could be. Now, a couple things I will say about that. For most people... NUA is not going to be a thing for them, and here's why. If you're in the 12% tax bracket, in other words, that means that you have taxable income of roughly $81,000 a year or less, you know, and you're married, this is a, this is a joint cut, this is a joint filing. If you're less than 81,000, you're going to pay 12% to the Fed, you're going to pay 6% to the state of Missouri, which is 18. So there's probably no reason for you to even consider doing NUA because you're going to pay less there. Now, one thing I would say, if you have a couple hundred, 300, 400,000 dollars worth of company stock and we're going to it's going to bump us into another bracket, we might want to run the numbers on NUA just to see if there's any advantage. But again, if you're you're not going to take income right away if you are going to take very little income out of your IRA right away you probably really don't need to use NUA but it is something we can certainly run the numbers on and see if it makes sense for uh, people as they come in and again you know we we have companies around Springfield here where this could make sense for some people you know we have the 3Ms of the world we have the Jack Henry's mm-hmm. we've got a lot of different companies around here the thing that I would say too, uh, to bear in mind, if you work with some of these companies, so we have a couple of major companies around here that have ESOP programs, that's employee stock ownership programs. Those do not qualify. The stock that we're talking about has to be a publicly traded stock 
for us to be able to really figure out what the valuation is because the ESOP can vary widely based on a lot of different things, but it has to be a publicly traded company as well. So hopefully that kind of clears up what net unrealized appreciation <laughs> is. Uh, what questions do you have about that that I didn't explain, Jeff? Well, the questions I guess I have, first of all, let me recap here. I guess the big question is going to be the tax differences, yeah, that it's going to be capital gains versus ordinary income. And the second question I have, Randy, is you obviously know a lot about this, but at the same time, you said that it may not apply to a lot of folks. I would imagine in your career that you've run across a lot of people or that you've run across some people that this does apply to. How common is this? I would say that uh, for most people to have company stock inside their plan, you know, their 401k plan is, it's quite common that we do. The amount of company stock that people have inside their 401k plan is what makes this either a viable, potentially a viable option or not. If you got a $500,000 401k and you got $50,000 worth of company stock, unless you have a tremendously large pension and lots of social security and other money coming from other places, it probably doesn't make sense because it's probably not going to save you any money. But, you know, it does make sense if you have company stock. Uh, we're happy to review it and see if there's any advantage to you, you know, by using this NUA method. So, Randy, the talk about NUA really applies to taxes. Is this applicable to the goal of tax diversification? Absolutely. It's certainly something we want to look at each time when people come in. You know, the things we look at when we look at doing tax diversification is what sources of money do you have? So in today's world, what we know is probably three quarters of the money we see come in our door now is qualified money or IRA money, 457 plan money, 403B 401k, all the different, you know, SEP IRA, simple IRAs, all those different qualified monies that come in, probably 75% of every dollar we see is that way. So when it comes to doing uh, tax strategies, one of the things we look at always, people say, well, hey, does it make sense for me to transfer my traditional IRA or my 401k and you know pay the taxes now and set up a Roth IRA? That's one of the things that we look at for everybody. I will say this, that generally speaking, if you have less than five years and you have a substantial amount of money uh, in your IRA or 401k, many times it does not make sense to do that because you pay so much in taxes that you have so much less working for you that sometimes you're better off to pay the tax. Now, of course, nobody knows what the future of taxation is. Income taxes are probably going to go which way? Yeah, probably up. Right. But again, for for most people that are in the, I would say in today's world, you know, $100,000 to $120,000 in retirement income or less, you're not going to be the one paying the bulk of the taxes. It's going to be somebody up the ladder further than that. But certainly the Roth IRA is one thing that we look at. Also, if you have money that's not retirement money and it's money that you've saved, you know, we may look at investing in something that's going to give you stable income, something that might be tax exempt income, like a municipal bond or something like that. You know, there's all different ways to look at that. However, I will tell you that, you know, bonds in general are not a good play right now, but there's still some municipal that might hold some water out there. We also can look at, you know, do we buy a stock and how long do we hold it? If we hold a stock after we buy it less than 12 months, we pay ordinary income tax. That's the regular tax bracket. Least under today's rules. Or, yeah. or if we hold it for one year, then we get to pay long-term capital gains. And for those people that are in the 12% tax bracket, if you hold it a year, you're basically going to pay zero capital gains. So that's a good thing. 
Also, when we look at uh, diversifying strategies, you know, when you get uh, qualified dividends, you don't pay taxes on those if you fall in the 12% tax bracket as well. So there's lots of different ways to engineer tax planning, but we want to look at all those different things to see what makes sense based on the tax bracket each individual may be falling in. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, and of course, taxation, one of the biggest things to consider when going into retirement. I mean, that is a way to grow wealth. I think, uh, it, you know, it's just as important to save on taxes as it is to focus on your investments. And when you uh, put the two together, uh, it is a winning combination. If you'd like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake, talk about your individual tax situation and how it may apply to your investing strategy. Again, we're offering a complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial plan with Randy and Jake right here at Floyd Financial Group. To get yours, call 417-889-7233, or better yet, go on out to the website. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Poke around the website a little bit. There's a lot of great information on there. You'll get a better idea of who these folks are and why that they very well could help you on the road to retirement with your complimentary plan, as in no cost and no obligation. floydfinancialgroup.com. Request your plan today. Gentlemen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be coming back to home base a little bit more. We're going to be talking about social security myths and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about Social Security myths and misconceptions. That's right. Social Security is enormous and complex. It pays out nearly $100 billion a month to some 65 million retirees, people with disabilities and their family members. And it's wildly popular, supported by more than 90% of U.S. adults across the political spectrum. And of course, it is a cornerstone of retirement income for a lot of folks here. So let's tackle some of those myths. And the first myth is Social Security is going broke. I mean, it's only going to last a couple more years. And after that, we're on our own. Okay, fact or fiction? Oh, I thought that was yesterday that it went broke. I'm <laughs> <Yeah. kidding>. so, <laughs> actually, you know, my whole life, I've been hearing that Social Security was going broke. You know, Jeff, if you really go back to the beginning, I don't think they ever really uh, intended to pay out Social Security benefits because... When they first set this up, the average life expectancy of an American male was 56. Yeah. So, and, and they weren't going to pay it out till 65. But here's the thing. Social Security, while it's having its struggles, you know, like you said, we pay out about $100 billion a month. And last year, you know, when we got a 6% raise in Social Security out there, that meant that we pay about $6 billion a month more Woo! Yeah. Okay, that's you know that's a that's a big number. Right. But here's the thing: Social Security benefits are changing, and they've what they've done in the past, of course, is they keep raising the threshold to where you stop paying Social Security. A lot of folks may not realize that right now, I think it's 142,000 and above is where you get to stop paying Social Security out of your paycheck, you know, to the Social Security Administration. They used to have that back. I can remember working where that was maybe fifty or fifty-five thousand years ago. So they're going to continue to expand that, and that helps to prop it up some. 
along with the fact that they push the retirement age for most people behind us, Jeff, for sure, are age 67. Right. Uh, and I think they're going to continue to probably push that out there. And by the way, 67, you know, today is like, you you're, know, 47 a yeah. few years ago. You're, you're just a you kid. It's, you're just a kid I at mean, 67 these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I think also, you know, looking forward, it will probably pay some less, but they are not going to allow the system to go broke and just leave, like you said, the $100 billion a month that they're paying out to people. Uh, they're just not going to allow that. They will continue to keep it going. You know, does it need to be adjusted? Yes. It's like any other program from time to time. It needs to be tweaked and changed, right? Exactly. And myth number two, you don't pay uh, taxes on Social Security. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's true. You know, it doesn't make sense because the argument that people used to come in with, with me and said, well, listen, they taxed me to give me my money. Well, actually, that's not quite true. (laughs) What it amounts to is the people working today are supporting those that are in retirement is a lot of how that works out, right? Mm -hmm. But the long and the short of it is, it is true. We paid into a system, and now we're taking it back out, and you want to tax me on it? Again? Well, welcome to the real world. How how (laughs) taxation works and and how things get paid for, right? I mean, trust me, let me say this. I am a tax miser. I don't like to pay taxes. Right. I realize I have to pay some taxes. Sure. But, you know, the long and the short of it is Social Security is taxed under what's called, well, there's a whole formula for taxing Social Security, and it's called provisional income. And what goes into figuring your provisional income is basically half of your total Social Security payments, all your IRAs, any interest payments that you have, and any income for wages. And based on where that falls in the tax bracket is what you are going to pay on your Social Security. I will say this, the most that you can pay on your Social Security, let's say that you are making $1,000 a month Social Security, that's what's coming in. The most they're going to tax is 85% of it or $850 a month. So right off the top, you get a 15% tax break. How about that? Yeah. Now, you had a fellow who came in who misunderstood that. He thought that he was paying 80% in tax. 80% of Social Security and $1,000 he's going to pay 800 bucks. Again, couldn't be further from the truth. He really thought he was was uh, in trouble. He said, man, this is quite a ripoff. And I said, it certainly would be if that were the case. But not the case. Okay, let's uh, tackle the next myth here about Social Security. Best time to take it, age 62, because it's the earliest you can get it. Well, here's what I would say, and we have this conversation several times a week in here with people. You know, when is the best time to take Social Security? And I will tell you that one of the things I've noticed here of late, you know, people have thought about this a lot more than they used to. And I'm not sure if that's because we try to do a lot of education on Social Security that didn't happen in the past. But uh, a lot of people have realized, you know, there's two sides to this. There's the dollars and cents sense of it. And then there's the human side. So the dollars and cents, uh, you know, side of it says, well, I should wait till age 70 so I can draw the maximum. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. If you live to 72, you won't draw the maximum. You will left a lot of money on the table. Right. We don't know how long we're going to live. If we knew exactly the day we were going to die, we could calculate it to the penny what the proper day would be for you to take Social Security. But we don't. And so that's the one thing that we need to think about. On average, if you're going to wait, you know, from from uh, 62 to your full retirement age today, if you're 67, you're talking 12, 13, 
14 years that you need to live to break even by waiting. In other words, the difference in the payment, the higher payment by waiting till later, say to age 67 or or to age 70, it's going to take you 13 or 14 years to get caught up for the money you didn't take. And in most cases, people are coming in today saying, hey, you know what? I feel pretty good today. I'm going to retire today. Uh, I think I want to take the money now while I still feel like I can do something and not worry so much about it when I'm 80 and 85. Take the money and run. There you go. And the next myth is that the annual COLA is guaranteed. That is the cost of living adjustment. That It's guaranteed you're going to have one that's going to be pretty good every year. Well, no. Uh, the cost of living adjustment is not a guarantee. For the most part, you know, we do have a cost of living adjustment because, you know, we have a little bit of inflation. So last year, you know, because of a lot more inflation, people got around a 6% raise and they're at, you know, anticipating it may be 9% this next year. So Mm -hmm. we will see what that looks like. But, uh, you know, it is not a guaranteed thing and it is directly uh, tied to the consumer price index. We're talking about social security myths with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. Next myth, Randy, is that let's say I've taken my social security. Well, now when my wife takes her social security, she's going to get exactly half of mine. How does that work in so far as spousal benefits? Well, that kind of depends, Jeff, on, uh, and I'm going to steal Randy's question here. (laughs) That kind of depends on when you had originally taken your social security. So again, there's a formula in there that uh, is pretty exacting uh, based on what day you take your social security. So for example, if you took it right at 62, and then once your spouse starts to take it, you can take half of your spouses if you were already full retirement age. But because you're not full retirement age, the number is close because you took it at 62, the number is closer to 32 and a half percent. Right. So in theory, if you took it at 63, it would be closer to 37 percent. And anyway, it, it goes down into like I think it's by the week actually that you take it uh, that it it factors in uh, exactly how old you were exactly how old your spouse was and gives you the appropriate amount but it's not just half across the board unless you're both full retirement age when you take it and the final myth gentlemen is that everyone gets social security when they turn age 62 or whenever they decide to take it everyone gets it regardless of whether or not they've worked or not well, that is a big fat no. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would not be the case. Right. Uh, that would definitely be Social Security. For right. Sure. But, uh, but no, you have to have funded it, and you have to have funded it for at least forty quarters or ten years. Now, let me say this: if you were a spouse to someone who has fulfilled the ten years or forty quarters, you can ride on their coattails, and you can get some Social Security that way if you're married to that person. The other thing. To that I would that I would say along that line too is you also get to participate in Medicare Part A because mm-hmm. those people worked and had those 40 quarters, which is a major piece. Now, where we see there's a lot of big caveats here is we have people that have worked in the educational system, like Missouri teachers, where they have never funded into that. So when it comes time for Social Security, yes, they're going to have their pension, but they're probably not going to have any Social Security. And in many cases, they don't have any Medicare Part A, which is like 550 bucks a month, plus Part B at 170.10. Plus a supplement if you want one. Plus a supplement. And they're going to be forced, most likely, to stay on the Missouri teacher's health system in many cases. Something we can break down for people if they want to give us a call. 
Well, we're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about Social Security myths. And once again, there are a lot of myths out there. If you've got questions about Social Security or about your retirement plan in general, again, we're offering a no cost, no obligation. Sit down with Randy and Jake to get your individual questions answered and sort of design a retirement roadmap for you. Again, doesn't cost you anything. It'll be about an hour of your time, but I think it's going to be the best time investment that you'll ever make. To get your questions answered and to get you on the road to retirement, call 417-889-7233 to request your plan. Or better yet, go to the website, floydfinancialgroup.com. Kick the tires there a little bit. Look around the firm and you can request your complimentary plan there at floydfinancialgroup.com. Well, gentlemen, I always enjoy my Saturday mornings with you, but we are out of time for this week. For Randy and Jake, thank you so much for listening to us, spending time with us here on Show Me the Money. Guys, the fish are biting out there. I'm going to pull the truck around and I'll meet you out front here in about five minutes. I think I got enough bait for all three of us. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSTF, where Springfield comes to talk.